Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. Today we're continuing in this series on the ABCs of faith. We're exploring what for many people is a mystery, the mystery of faith. Uh, What is it? How do I get it? How does it change my life? And today we're going to look at the journey of faith because how does one come to faith in the first place and what are the stages of its development? But before we really embark on this journey, we need to point out one thing, that faith and science are not incompatible. They're not in opposition. They complement each other. In fact, the rise of modern science grew up within the Christian world. Because, you see, if the world was an evolving chaos, then there would be no reason, really, to study it. Because if it was just the result of random processes or the product of competing gods... There's no reason to think that it would be ordered in such a way that science would work. Uh, But, you see, if it was created by the all-powerful God, the faithful God of the Bible, then we would expect the universe to have consistent laws that describes how it works. And so it was people with faith in the Creator who knew that they had a basis for the scientific endeavor. And this inspired them to work on an investigation, you see, of the laws of the universe, to think God's thoughts after him. So science actually sprung out of faith in God. And just like science is based on evidence, so the Christian faith is based on evidence, although necessarily of a different kind. Science studies the visible world, nature, by experiment just to see how it works. Faith does not dispute true science. So to have faith does not mean you're throwing science away. That's nonsense. But faith says there is more than the world, the natural world. There is also a spiritual world that scientific instruments cannot penetrate or observe. This is invisible to our natural senses. Faith knows there's a God, you see, who is a spirit who created this natural world. And so this spiritual reality is actually a higher reality than the natural. Uh, the Bible says we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a, in a body. And, and we are a spirit made in the image of God. And as such, we have a capacity to be aware of God, to contact and operate in this spiritual reality by faith. You see, faith is like our sixth sense that relates that connects us to the spiritual realm, to God. On the other hand, unbelief is insensitivity, it's blindness, it's hardness to spiritual things. True faith connects us to the true God who has revealed himself in his world and in his word. And faith, therefore, is all about knowing God. You can only know God through the instrument of faith, by means of faith. And man was made to know God and operate spiritually as well as naturally. But the problem is that when man fell from God, he died spiritually. God warned Adam, you see, in Genesis 2.17, if you sin against me, dying, you shall die, or you shall surely die. But actually it was dying, you shall die. So that means he would immediately die spiritually, and as a result... He, would, he was death doomed. He was bound to die naturally as well. And so man's spirit was cut off from the life of God and, an unv- and a veil of unbelief then covered his heart.
but we still have a residual voice of conscience inside us that God put inside each man that tells him there is a God who created him to whom he's accountable. And this inner conscience, you see, gives man his uh, morality. It, it tells him the difference between right and wrong. It either accuses him or excuses him constantly. He might suppress that conscience, but deep down he knows there's a God who created him. Romans 1.18 claims this. It says, The wrath of God is revealed in the gospel from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth, the truth in their conscience, the truth that there's a God. They suppress it in unrighteousness, it says. That is, they don't want there to be a God because uh, they don't want to live by his standards. It says, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, in their conscience, for God has shown it to them. Not only has God given him the inner witness of his conscience, he's also given him uh, overwhelming evidence through the amazing universe that there is a personal, all-powerful creator God. Romans 1.20 tells us that. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You see, we know the principle of cause and effect. Every effect must have a sufficient cause. And there's no other explanation for the origin of the unified and the complexity, the ordered complexity of the universe and especially of life. Uh, nobody can explain that by any process of evolution, how life came to be in the first place. There's a, the only explanation is the creation of the eternal God. Where does our mind come from? Where does consciousness come from? You can't explain that as a byproduct of chemical reactions. And all this evidence for faith explains why the Bible says, the fool says, in his heart, there is no God. It's a foolishness. Because, you see, there can only be two explanations for our existence. Either we are created by God, and so we're under his authority. We're responsible to him. That's what the Bible calls the truth, as opposed to just a truth, the truth. Opposing that is the lie, that we're the product of accidental, random, evolutionary processing processes, that there's therefore no God. And so we can be our own God. We can do whatever we want. There's no ultimate standards. And obviously this is attractive to many because of that freedom it seems to offer. And so two options confront every man. And this is the start of the journey of faith, is to whether man actually loves the truth or rejects the truth, the truth that God has shown him in his conscience because that will set him on his course towards finding God. Or, if he doesn't love the truth, he won't even start on that journey. He will not seek God. So it starts here with these two choices. Romans 1.25 speaks of those who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, the lie being evolution, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. They think the natural world, the creator, is all there is. And so they focus on that rather than seeking the Creator. 2 Thessalonians 2.10 says, They did not receive the love of the truth, creation, that they might be saved, 
for this reason, it says they believe the lie, evolution. And so either you love the truth, but if you don't love the truth, then you will come under the deception of the lie. And ultimately, we have to decide between these two views of our origin, the truth and the lie. And this is a fundamental moral decision we all have to make, and our eternal destiny depends on it. You know, if you uh, are God-positive, and if you start, if you love the truth, and you start seeking after God, the Bible promises you will find him. Well, some might think, well, I grew up with Christian parents, I've always believed. Well, praise God that you did and that you do. But it's only because you love the truth. It's not automatic. You see, because some of the most hardened anti-God people actually grew up in Christian homes. And I fear for them because they're more guilty than anyone in the final judgment because they've had more opportunity and they've rejected greater light. Ultimately, everyone's got to make up their own mind and they're going to stand before God whether they say they believe it or not, they're going to stand and give an account for themselves. Well, you see, Adam and Eve were made to have faith. But since then, man was born with a spirit that's dead to God. And so although he is aware in his conscience of the Creator and, uh, and so forth, he's also aware of his separation from God, that God's somehow a long way off. And, and so there's a void within him. There's something missing. He's spiritually dead. However, when you come and you find God, you're, you, you have the faith that has found God. God now is not far off. God is real. He, he's close. And God's spirit lives inside you. But th that is only the result of a journey of faith. How does someone start on this journey to faith? And then how does he come into that deeper transforming faith? And that's where we need to realize the journey starts even before that person has what we call saving faith. God starts working in our lives even before we possess faith. It's his mercy that brings us to the point of actually believing and being saved. You know, before we find God, is the, that's the moment of salvation when we find. But before we find, we have to be seeking and God is causing us to do that. You see, faith, saving faith, is finding and knowing God. Hallelujah. Faith is when the light is switched on in your heart and you know it's true. You know personally the truth of God. Then you've found him. And so this is a, like a personal discovery that's the result of seeking. So before we find God, we must first of all seek him. And the moment of finding is the moment of faith. You know, I, I didn't grow up in a religious home at all. But in my teens, I started question, asking the big questions. Where did I come from? Is there a God? Is, am I just an accident? And I started praying, God, if you're out there, I want to know the truth. I want to know if you're real. And you know, if you're talking to someone who says, oh, I don't know if I believe in God or not, they're not ready to receive Christ, obviously. But encourage them to have an open heart and tell them, Pray this prayer. Ask God. Say, God, if you're real, I want to know you. Show yourself to me. Help them to start seeking after God. Because in Jeremiah, God promises, you will seek me and you will find me if you search for me with all your heart. 
And that's where the journey of faith starts, by seeking the truth of God, and then you will end up knowing it. That's God's promise. Some people don't even seek God because they don't want to. They don't want to find him. They don't want, to, they don't want God to be over their lives. Uh, they don't want God to judge them. Well, he's going to judge you anyway, whether you like it or not. They want to be their own God, even though it means in the end their life is futile. Because without a God, you know, when you die, that's it. There's no ultimate purpose to your life. There's no meaning. Well, let me share some promises to you in the Bible. In Matthew 7, 7, Jesus said, Seek and you will find. Hebrews 11, 6 says, God's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you're an, even an unbeliever, if you diligently seek after God, you will find him. That's why this is the answer to people who say, well, you know, what about people who've never heard? Well, God promises that if anyone anywhere in the world will seek God, he will find him. God will make moves to make sure that they hear and they find. Deuteronomy 4.29, you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. 1 Chronicles 28.9, if you seek him, he will be find, found by you, but if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. 2 Chronicles 15.2, if you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Jeremiah 29.11, God says, I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. And then Acts 17.24, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has predetermined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings. Why? Verse 27, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. You see, there's a journey there's a journey to faith that they may seek him, grope for him, and then find him. Though he's not far from each one of us, he's not hiding from us, but our own sin, the darkness of unbelief over our heart, that's what is causing him to be hidden, and we have to seek him to break through that. For in him we live and move and have our being. And then finally, John 5:44, Jesus said this, How can you believe? who receive honor from one another or who seek honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God. This is a very important verse. Here Jesus reveals that seeking is fundamental to believing. Your seeking must be right if you are actually to come to the believing that is right. Before you can find God, before you can have a true saving faith, you must seek him. If someone doesn't want to seek God, no wonder they can't find him. That's why faith is a moral issue. You are accountable for what you believe or don't believe. You must seek him. And you must seek his will. Otherwise, you will not find it. John 5.30, Jesus said, My judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but I seek the will of the Father who sent me. 
You see, your judgment on spiritual things will only be right if your seeking is right. It, your judgment depends on your seeking. What you believe depends on your seeking. If your primary motive is to seek God and the truth, then your believing, your judgment will come into line. Someone, though, who seeks his own will, who wants to be his own God, you see, will be dis is disqualified from finding the truth, and they will be deceived. He will end up with a false judgment. But if we seek the truth, we will come through into finding the truth. That is faith. And so the journey of faith is actually knowing and accepting God and what he's done in three aspects. And I want to take you on this, what this journey would look like. Because we come to find God in our lives in three ways, in a definite order, corresponding to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. First of all, let's focus on the Father. What I mean by that is that we first need to discover God as the God of creation. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We, d we come to realize that there we are created. But knowing him as creator isn't enough. In fact, that's, the Bible says that's self-evident. The problem is that there's the problem of sin. Man separated from God. And once we realize that, that God is our creator, we also realize we're a long way away from him, that there's this problem of sin. In other words, that we need saving. And that brings us on to the next step. Of course, if we don't even realize God is the creator, then we're totally clueless. We don't even realize we need saving. And so the second stage of our faith journey is focused on the Son of God. Because God is not just God of creation, he's the God of salvation. We can't save ourselves by our good works, by being nice and so on. It needed God to come down and become a man to reconnect us to God. And Jesus died on the cross for our sins and opened the way for us to be restored, to be made right with God. And when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are reborn. Hallelujah. We are become a brand new spirit alive to God. And in my journey of faith, those two things happen at the same time. As I heard the gospel for the first time, I really began to seek God with earnest, are you real? Is this true? And when I realized from the evidence that Jesus truly was risen from the dead, that he was who he claimed to be, that he fulfilled all the prophecies, then I also knew there had to be a creator that made me, that the whole thing was true. And then once we've done that, then we're ready to go into the next stage of faith. Uh, once we, we find God as our savior, as well as our creator. Now, we receive God as our transformer. And that's where the focus comes on to the Holy Spirit. Because God's mind-boggling plan for us isn't just to save us and forgive us from our sins. That he would come and live in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We become a temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in us. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says, When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Where is the Spirit of the Lord? In us. And we now have liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. 
And so when we receive Christ through the new covenant in his blood, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and now he's transforming us from glory to glory. And so there's a continual process now that we will consider, find out more of the power of God as we continue to seek him. He says, I'm your healer, I'm your health, I'm your life, I'm your shepherd, I'm your shield, I'm your victory, I'm your righteousness, I'm your fullness, I'm your sanctifier. And as we continue to seek and to find more and more of his power and glory, that is released in our life. And that will be, is a proof that we have a saving faith, is that this process is started and is happening. You see, by grace we've been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should, be, should boast. That's our salvation. But now we move into transformation. It says, we are now his workmanship. He's recreated us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. And this transformation is happening in us now. And it's happening in a threefold way. Spirit, soul, and body. God's working in us. First of all, he tr has already transformed our spirit. We're reborn. We're new creations in Christ. The Holy Spirit now makes our spirit alive to God. And, and Jesus talked about this. He said, whoever drinks the water of salvation that I give him will never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. And that's the result, that's the first result of a saving faith in Christ, that we are reborn, our spirit's reborn, reconnected to God. And the first thing that changes is our adoration, because now we can worship God in spirit. And in truth, we have a spirit now that can know and worship God. So the first thing that changes is our adoration, our worship. Jesus said the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth because their spirit's reborn now. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. You see, now we want to worship God because he's our creator, he's our redeemer and now he's our transformer. We, worship is the sign of our salvation that we realize we're not the center of the, the universe anymore. Our life now revolves around God. Worship's our joy. And so we should be on church on time, not just to honor God, not just to honor his people, but because we love to worship him and we don't want to miss anything out. We should worship him during the week, take a praise break, you know, like they do in heaven all the time, I'm sure, and just worship God. And then the second stage of our transformation is in our soul because it doesn't just change our adoration. This new life changes our attitudes. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. The new command now is to love. And we can love because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's given to us. And so we now have a new spirit of love that replaces the selfishness that was there. That we have a new spirit of humility that replaces pride because now we know we're not our own God. We're created by God. And, and also we know that those around us are made in the image of God. And so they, we, we treat them as such with respect. Uh, and now there's a spirit of hope now that replaces pessimism because we know that whatever happens, our future, our eternity, is in God's hands. And so we can cast our cares on the Lord because we know 
that he loves us. Praise God. And then this transformation is not complete until it also affects our actions. Our spirit is transformed, causing us to, to ad adoration to God. Our attitudes are changed as well, but also our actions are changed. It af this transformation affects our body. And now we have not just got a different spirit inside us, we need to walk in humility. We need to walk in love. Because only then are we blessed in our doing, James says. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Deceiving ourselves, for faith without works is dead. He says we need to be a doer of the work, and then we will be blessed in our doing. When we act on the word, you see, then the blessing and the power of God is released in our lives. So wherever you are in your journey, you can pray. If you're an unbeliever, start to seek God. And ask him to show himself to you. And if you seek him, he promises you will find him. If you are a seeker now, and you now know the truth, that God is your creator, that Jesus is your savior, then you need to pray that sinner's prayer and ask Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and savior. And if you are a born again believer, you need to keep on seeking God. And the Bible says you will keep on finding him. Matthew 7, 7. Literally it says, keep on seeking and you will keep on finding. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. The journey of faith continues, because you are being transformed from glory to glory. Is there an area of your life that needs transformation? Set your heart now to seek God for that transformation. You will find it, for the power of God is available to you. Hallelujah. He will give you the life from within, and then you just need to yield to it and act it out. The Bible says, work out your own salvation. You are saved. You've got it in you. But you need to work it out with fear and trembling, for, depending on the power of God. For God, it is God who works in you to will, to give you the desire, and the power to do his good pleasure. You're on a journey of faith. Keep seeking God, and, and you will keep finding him. You'll go from glory to glory.